that be our prayer this morning. God, that you would take our heart and you would seal it for your courts above. Father, we thank you this morning, God, for for Jesus. And we thank you that we can stand here holy and blameless and without a single fault because of Jesus. And we pray this morning, God, as we hear your word spoken to us, that you speak to our hearts, Lord. Do what you need to do in us. Let us be open and willing to let you tweak and move and change us. God, we love you, and we ask you just to have your way in the rest of our service. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This worship team, it, uh, they practice hard. It shows, doesn't it? They put a lot into it. This is the second half of last week's sermon. Got a lot of little winded last week and went too long, like I'll probably do today. But I want to share with you what these two jerseys represent, uh, especially to me and Curtis Hissom, but to others, I think they can also become a symbol for you. Now, when we come to Christ, we're babies. We, we depend upon the Father for everything. We depend upon Him, and, and we're learning, and we don't know how to eat yet. We don't know how to walk. We don't know how to run. As time goes on, we, we start to roll over a little bit. Then we start to crawl a little bit. And then as little baby Christians, after a while, we'll grab a hold of a dining table or a, um, whatever you call the tables in front of the couch. We'll grab a hold of those things and stand up and walk around a little bit. And then, and then mom and dad will start playing a little game. Come on, baby, come walk to me. And we'll take a step and fall. And maybe the next month we'll take two steps. And then for many of us, after six months, we take three steps. You know, we're a little slow along the uptake there. But we learn to walk. Now, and then after we learn to walk, then we learn to walk a little faster. We get more balance. We get more stable. And then we begin to, to rumble. And then we begin to run and then we begin to have more and more balance. And as time goes on, we're jumping fences, we're climbing trees, we're, we're running races, we're able to move around and go and do. And, and it all started way back there from just all that we could do was lay in bed and sleep. And yet, after that birth, after that birth, we develop. The same thing happens as a Christian. When we are born again, we are like that little baby in that, that crib. And we grow. We get where we can roll over. We get where we can crawl. We get where we can, you know, pull up on a chair or a table. Or, uh, and, and we begin to move along. Now, what happens is, is at some point along the way, we go from not being able to do anything but lay in a crib to being able to run. In the Christian life, we go from laying in a crib to being able to run, and, and that is a transition from living according to the flesh to learning to live according to the Spirit. And, and there are many ups and downs along the way. 
We do not easily transition from living by the flesh to living by the Spirit. We do, we do not easily transition from living by the flesh to, live by the, to living by obedience. We do not eat. Matter of fact, there may be right here and now some real resistance to the idea of living by the Spirit, living according to the Spirit. We, we're having a hard time, and the reason why we're having a hard time is we are stuck in a religious position. We are stuck in a religious behavior. We are stuck in a, in a way of thinking. Now, the way of thinking, it, it, is just, it, it might even be an indirect thing that's just taking place. You may be in a situation where you read the Scripture, you study the Word, you do have a prayer life, but your Scripture and your prayer life has, has developed a, a little territory for you, but there is still a boundary around that territory. Your, your, your jail cell may be a 10 by 10. It might be a 20 by 20. It might be a 100 by 100. It might be a big old jail cell. And, and compared to other people who are in jail cells, you might have a real big jail cell based on faith, based on obedience, based on how much you have learned to live according to the Spirit. Okay? However, it's still a jail cell. It's still a jail cell. Definitely saved, definitely forgiven, definitely in Christ, definitely hopeful for heaven, looking forward to heaven, definitely secure in Christ. However, because of what you know, because of what you have refused to know, because of what you have been taught, because of what you have refused to unlearn, that's what Paul said in Hebrews. He said, you know, along the way a little bit, we all got to unlearn some things. And if you really think about your life, you, you know that. You, you know there are things I need to unlearn. I was taught this by people I really respect, I love, I cherish. And, and for me to live differently or to think differently or have a different mindset than what they have is almost like a betrayal because we love Uncle Bob or we love our grandparents so much. We love our mom and dad. We love these people. We, we love that pastor that taught us that this is what it is, Right? This is what it means to be a believer. This is what it means to be a Christian. And, and we are prone to wander. You know what else we're prone to? We are prone to rules. We're prone to it. We love rules. That's why tradition is so strong. Because tradition means there's a set of rules you don't break. And whenever those rules are broken, oh, it's hard on us. It's difficult on us. We don't want to move forward. We don't want to accept that. And, and we've got to fall on the side of that's wrong. 
You can't do that because it's wrong. That's not the way it's done. If you don't do the Lord's Supper every single Sunday, that's wrong. If you don't sing songs these ways, that's wrong. If your church doesn't have stained glass windows all around it, it's wrong. It's wrong. And those are rules that are built on tradition. And, and, and depending upon how many of those rules you hold to depends upon the square footage of your jail cell. The square footage. And the good news is, in our Father, in Jesus Christ, we can be set free. Amen. We can be set free. But you got to unlearn a few things. You have to be open to a few things. You have to be willing to say, you know, I, I might have been wrong about that. Let, let me give that another look. Let me give that another look. Rules without relationship always breed rebellion. Rules first always harm relationships. So since rules without rela relationship breed rebellion, and since rules first always harm relationships, that's not God's way. Now, right now you're thinking, but he gave his Ten Commandments. Yeah, but he gave his Ten Commandments for a purpose that are beyond the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments serve their purpose. The Ten Commandments are important. The Ten Commandments are necessary to have a society be able to live with each other. We need the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments, the law... The rules were given to us to show us that we can't keep it and we need relationship. That's, what, that's, that's why we have the rules. The rules are given to us to help us see that we need relationship. Rule, remember this, it doesn't matter if you're going to apply this with your children as moms and dads. It doesn't matter if you're going to apply, uh, apply this with your employees, your employer, however it is. Husbands and wives, rules without relationship breed rebellion. If all your son hears from you is what he better be doing, it'll breed rebellion. If all your daughter hears from you is what she's done wrong, what rules she is breaking, it'll breed rebellion. And, and, and that's true of every relationship. It's true of every aspect. Now, we all understand, don't we, that if we know for sure that someone loves us, we know for sure that someone wants what's best for us, we can have those breaking the rule conversations. Because love is not an issue. But how hard is it to talk to people that you don't have a relationship about rules? That's one of the major problems in our society. Is we're harping on rules and we're harping how things ought to be. But we don't love each other. Love is hard to find. Love is difficult to find. Matter of fact, when we're talking about the kind of love that God has for us, we got to really, really search for it out there in this world. 
And so we're having lots of conflicts at work, lots of conflict at school, lots of conflict in neighborhoods. I think that if I was to be the President of the United States, one of the first things I'd do is abolish all HOAs. Thank you. That's my first, that's my first uh, political <laughs> statement. Because an HOA will not work. It can't work. It won't work. I don't care how much money they want from you for that HOA. You know why? Because y'all don't love each other. And you sure don't love so-and-so because their roses look so much better than yours every year. Right? I mean, isn't that simple? Isn't it funny how we get together and we're going to gather together and we're going to make a decision in Congress and they hate each other. Good luck with that. I've, I've, I've always thought if I ever, ever, ever got a chance to pray before Congress, I would go up and I would go, that's all, folks, and I'd walk right out. I think that would be the most, the very best thing. It would make CNN or it would make Fox News or like that, and I'd, it'd be done, and they'd probably shoot me on the way out. But, to be right, but I mean, l let's pray so you can hate each other. Let's pray so you can make all the rules you want to make and you can, uh, is the word profocate or probably a bad word. That's probably not a good word. There's a <laughs> pontificate. I, I'm going to say a prayer so y'all can pontificate how smart you are and all you're going to do is talk about rules. And last week you said he's the stupidest human being who ever lived. Y'all don't love each other, so there's not much chance of anything working out. Because rules without relationship breed rebellion. That's true in our walk with Christ. If all there is in your Christianity is rules, you're going to be miserable, you're going to be rebellious. You, you, you're always going to be missing out. There's always going to be more than what you're able to experience. So remember that rules without relationship. Jesus said in John chapter 5, so the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. You know what he did on the Sabbath that they're so upset about? He healed a sick man. Can you believe that? Think about that for a moment. He healed the guy that sat day after day after day by that sheep gate. He'd been paralyzed. He had been sick for 38 years. People that go by that sheep gate have seen him. They, they know his face. They know the stench of his mat. They know the soiled clothes that poor fellow was wearing. And Jesus said, would you like to get well? And he said, I can't, sir. There ain't no way I can get down into that water. I heard a black preacher preach on this once, and he said, I'd have found a way. I'd have rolled on down into that water. <laughs> He's really good, really good, really good. Jesus said, stand up, pick up your mat and walk, and instantly... The man was healed. That's what they're mad about. 
Now, for the life of me, I think that's what Jesus is saying here when he's talking to them. Now, now let's all get together. All you Jews, let's all get together. All you Pharisees, y'all come on over here for a minute. Now, this man has been sick for 38 years. He has been in a rut. He has been stuck. He can't walk around. He's had no hope. He's had no future. That's been the situation. Jesus healed him, and you're mad about him healing him on the Sabbath? There's something wrong with your rules. If rules are before people, there's something wrong with your rules. Your rules are not protecting this man. Your rules are not benefiting anybody. Your rules are for you. Because when you have all these rules about what you can and can't do, that puts you in charge. And here's the lesson for us in this. And that's where all I said, I'm including myself in this. I don't think I'm preaching at you. I'm preaching to me first. I've done preach to myself this week. And I'm preaching now like that. All right? When you're hung on those rules, it's for your benefit. Always. 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 When it's rules before people, it's for your benefit. It's for your comfort. It's for your sleeping at night. It's for your power. I've always joked through the years that one of the biggest arguments at the church house is who's got the keys? Because if you got keys, you got power, you can get into places. That's why for years I never had any keys. They said, Why don't you got any keys? Says, I gave them away. Who did you give your keys to? I don't recall. The truth is, I don't recall. Someone called and said, I wanted to get in the gym, and I said, I got one of them here. And you just gave him your key? Yep. What if he uses his key to steal something? He's a thief. And now we got, I got a, now in my wallet, I got a credit card, and you push that up against the deal, and the door opens. So now the power is in a card. I got a card, and, and, and the security team is about to shoot me in the face, and it's a different day, but if you want my card, catch me when no one else is around. And I'll give you that card. Because we don't need to have anything that says we're powerful. We can't handle it. And rules say we're powerful. He healed a man on the Sabbath, for goodness sakes, and they're angry about it. How angry were they? Verse 18, so the Jewish leaders tried all the hard to find a way to kill him, for he not only broke the Sabbath... He called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. You see in verse 17, Jesus said, My father is always working and I am as well. Jesus explained in verse 19, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. Any rules there? 
Are there any rules there? No. The only thing that you can even come close to saying, well, this is a rule, Lee, is what the Father's doing. Well, guess what? He's the maker of the rules. And if the Father is doing it, it must be okay. And if the Father saw fit for the Son to heal this inflicted 38-year guy, it must be okay. What a party they missed out on. Holy my goodness, he healed that guy. There'd have been the dancing and holding the chair up in the air and the hoop. They should have partied all day long. Unbelievable. It should have been the Sabbath of all Sabbaths. The man was healed. But nope, they couldn't party. They couldn't celebrate. They couldn't rejoice. They couldn't have a good time. You know why? Because of their rules. And they were more focused on what you can't do than what you get to do. I'm learning as time going on, I can't eat chocolate cake. But I get to eat all the broccoli I want. <laughs> now, a short period of time, that would have seemed to be an absolutely just horrific thing. But for the last two years, I've been thinking about them cutting off one of my legs. She said, she looked at me, she said, they're going to cut your leg off if you don't change your ways. It took two years for me to go, I don't want my leg cut off. And so as time, it's not automatic. You bring me a chocolate cake today, I'm going to look at it, and, and I'm going to give it, I, I, I'm going to do my best to walk right away. By my, probably I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to throw it in the garbage. But if you bring me a big old plate of broccoli, and I hadn't had too much broccoli that day, and if your broccoli's better than my wife's, which I doubt it very seriously. <laughs> I won't eat my wife's broccoli. I mean, isn't that how we go through life? What we can't do versus what we can do? And, and why in the world would we be so... What's that word? Um, when you, uh, the, the cults do something to people. Brainwash them. We, we, we've been brainwashed to believe that we can't do these things, but we can do these things. And, and it's not from the Word of God. My Father is always working, and so am I. I tell you the truth, Jesus said in verse 19, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. Is it rules or relationship? It's relationship. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Do you want to see some of that? Do you want to see more than you've seen? Do you want to see experience? Well, Jesus says, when you look to see what the Father's doing, and you are doing what Jesus is doing, 
and I'm going to show Jesus that he can experience even greater things than these. You'll experience even greater things than these through Jesus. Not rules, relationship. Now, let's get to the jersey, or I'll have to preach again next week the same sermon. Ah, when I got these two jerseys, when I got, I, I got 99, and Curtis got 58. Come here, Isaac Hale, because I'm, I'm calling on you because I think I can handle you. Come on. I, start, I thought about getting Dickinson up here, but I know I can't handle him. In my younger days, though, boy, I'd give you your fit. Isn't, isn't that a fine-looking young man? Are you nervous? Their cheeks, look at his cheeks, they're red, look at his cheeks there. All right, Isaac plays offensive line for the beloved Bearcats, don't you? Yes, sir. And as big as you're getting, they're going to like you. <laughs> All right, now, Curtis and I, were doing the defensive line. They have on their player a number 99 that probably goes about 6'1 or 6'2 maybe in there. I think about it. And he probably went, man, he was big, strong, that gum fast and mean. I mean, he didn't, he didn't practice the first day until we, he saw what we were teaching. And he went out the next day. He practiced. He was hurting, but he wanted some of it. And, and I, I met him, and he can't speak Portuguese, and I can't speak English. And so it was, it was, it was a beautiful thing. And, and so I was watching and says, man, this guy, he's hungry, he's tough, he's mean, he's good. I mean, his, tech, his, his, run, his run defense was flawless, really a good player. And so uh, we're working against the offense, and Jordan uh, Smith is the offensive guy, and he was teaching him. So get there, show him what a chop, get in a good stance, show him what a chop step is. Yeah, they didn't teach you that yet? How are we winning games without teaching you what a chop step is? All right, take your chop step. Just get down there and take that first step there. Take it back. Now get your other one squared up. Where are you putting your hands on me at? Right in here because they'll call a foul on you. All right? All right. That's cheating, by the way. Okay. Okay. And, and, and you're going to have a wide base, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And if it's a pass play, what are you going to do? But, but your main job is to keep me from what? Going inside. Going inside, going to the quarterback. Because we, we hate that quarterback, and you love that quarterback. Mm-hmm. All right. This guy, strong, fast, good, knew one thing. He was in a jail cell. He knew you go to church on Sunday, football-wise. He knew... You put a little money in the plate. He knew you stand up and sing when they tell you to. He knew you act like everything is real good. And then you go home. And then you go back to church the next Sunday, and you sit in your pew. You sing when they tell you to. If if they ask you to pray, you go Because your jail cell is 510 in a jail cell. This is all I know. My religion is, is my bull rush in comparison to him. So he would grab those guys, Isaac. 
And, they, and, they, and the guys he was fighting really knew what they were doing. And the center that he would go through was about six foot four, probably weighed about 260 in there somewhere. Good technique. And, and this guy, he'd, he'd come across, and, and I'm not going to hurt you. I could, but I'm not going to. <laughs> he'd come across, and he'd headbutt right here, and he'd grab a hold like this, and he would push him. And he would push him, and he would push him. And, and, and that center would just lock on with him and just go with him. And, and Curtis and I are watching that, and we're going, he really is strong. And Curtis said to him, may I ask you why you bull rush every time? And after five minutes of the interpreter asking him, why you bull rush every time? Basically, his answer was, that's what I do. That's what I know. That's what I'm good at. Well, you know, buddy, you can be real good at going to church. You can be real good at telling everybody at church that your life is wonderful. You can be real good that, that, that your, your morality is good. But if all you do as a defensive lineman is bull rush, you never sack the quarterback. You know why? Now, the Portuguese didn't understand one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. <laughs> that, that, that took a, even Marconi with his wonderful Portuguese. He... He could not handle one Mississippi. So, and so I'm, I'm all excited about this deal. And I said, dude, you know, three Mississippi, the guy's going to throw the ball. You hear people back there, what's this Mississippi? You know? And finally, sorry, look, count. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Brady's done throwing the ball. The high school quarterbacks done throw the ball. All he's done is dance with him. And, and you can dance with him to the left. Let's dance. You know, you can dance to the right. You can dance to the right. That's all you do is dance. And that's all the offensive linemen, that's all they got to do is dance. That's why they put the nicest guys to be offensive line. Moms and dads, do not let your son... I mean, your daughter marry a defensive lineman. <laughs> marry an offensive lineman. <laughs> Sweet, nice, gentle, follow instructions. So, Curtis says, why do you bull rush all the time? He says, oh, I know. And so, it, it, Curtis goes, let me show you a few things. Curtis taught him swim. Curtis taught him how to break his, rip through his arms. Uh, we taught him how to grab a hold and knock down and get his hands. We told him how to pull him by, like so, you know. And then I got out my famous, from the 1970s, six-inch punch, and taught him how to punch people in the throat, and they'll never bother him again. <laughs> they don't teach you that, but it used to be really good. My job was to make you hate me and every time I'd take this arm, we'd hit about, I'd hit you right there so hard, and you'd want to go home. That's what I would do with you. All right. All right, thank you. Thank you. That's a sweet boy. All right, now, here's what happened. After that little 
exercise, he just lit up. I, I don't know what he was talking about. And I don't know who, he's over there, and all those defensive linemen are together. And they're, and they're talking about it. And he starts going, yeah, 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 ooh, 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 and all that stuff. And, and I just went, he's been set free. He, he was caged in his religion. And he found out that there's more that he can do. And he was set free. And so the next day, uh, he came and gave this to me. And he gave this to Curtis. And there was the biggest smiles on his face. And without us knowing what he was saying, he was saying, thank you for setting me free. Now, that's a football thing, right? Think about the spiritual thing. There's far more you get to do than you can't do with Jesus. You get to follow God. You get to hear his voice. You get to see things that only God can do. You get to be loved by God. You get to celebrate. You get to worship. You get to read his word. You get to laugh. You get to enjoy yourself. On a Sunday, put on more makeup than you need and go play baseball. Remember from last week? If you haven't heard it, go back and watch that one. That'll make sense. You see, from what I see here from Jesus, there's just not much time for what we can't do. There's only time for what we get to do. We get to live a holy life. We get to live by faith. We get to live by his spirit. We get to go places and go, Lord, show me where you're at work here. Lord, show me how you're going to fix this situation. Lord, I'm not quite sure how this is going to work out, but Lord, we're moving forward. Lord, give me an update every now and then if you don't mind. Help me to negotiate this. Help me to navigate this. Help me to figure this out. Lord, Lord, help me not to sit around and dwell on that chocolate cake. Help me, Lord, to go, holy cow, it's baked broccoli again. <laughs> it doesn't get better than baked, baked broccoli. Man, we get to sit down in an air-conditioned house and eat baked broccoli and they won't cut your leg off I mean you see the difference I mean if you're stuck in that cage I, my heart my heart bleeds about this if you're stuck in a religious cage jail please believe Jesus Admit what you need to admit about yourself. 
see it, recognize it. If, if brother so-and-so taught you something that's kept you in that jail, forgive him, but celebrate that you're not going to learn or you're not going to hold to that anymore. Unlearn what you need to unlearn and live this life that Jesus called an abundant life. Thank you, Lord, for these jerseys. Mean a lot to me, and I know my friend Curtis. Thank you a lot for what's happening today in Vancouver, for what's going to happen this week in Portugal, for what's going to happen in the lives of those who are going, what's going to happen in the lives of those your children who will be praying. And Lord, thank you already. Thank you in advance that the majority of us we get to stay home this week and we get to do what we understand to be the same old things. But Lord, every single day, Lord, we get to wake up and we get to go, all right, all right, Father, show me today where you're at work and help me learn to get a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward.